Hey, good morning, everyone. Uh, happy Sunday. It's great to be with you. My name is Jody. I'm one of the leaders here at The Brook. And um, I'm just excited to be here to share with you, man, some things that can probably just fuel your faith for the rest of the week today. Man, it's been a crazy year. Um, 2020 has been rough for all of us, man, between the virus, the protesting, the social distancing and racial divide, all of these things, man, it just, if you're a person like me, you just kind of want to go into a corner and just, and, and just hide and just hope that it all goes away. And in this time, I know many of us have had many questions, right? Man, when is it all going to be over? Is life even worth living at this moment? But no one gets more questions than God. And if we're honest with ourselves, a lot of the questions that we ask uh, are fostered by doubt and fear. Uh, questions like, God, what are you doing right now? Uh, aren't you supposed to be in control of all things? And who could blame you, right? I mean, for many of us, this may have been the first uh, crisis we've ever been in, and it's wrecking our lives right now. And so no one would blame you for having these doubts. And it's okay to doubt, but doubt that's left unchecked will bring in unbelief. And so we'll go from questioning to not believing at all. God, God, you can't be good. You can't possibly be good. Not with all the suffering that's going on right now. How could you possibly be good? God, you're not in control. But what if in the midst of the worst of these times, your questions can actually fuel your faith? You see, one of my, my favorite Psalms that I love to hold on to in times of crisis is Psalms 42, verse 11. And it, it, it paints a picture of David taking his own soul and looking directly at it and asking these questions. Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God. For I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. And if anybody knows the story of David, you know that from the time he was in service to the king to his kingship, he was on the run, running from enemies, running from false brothers. And so he had a reason. He had legitimate reasons to be downcasted and to hang his head low. But yet he constantly reminds himself of the stable foundation, the hope that is in God. And so as a, as a technician for Comcast, man, I, I know my job well, but sometimes my confidence wanes when the customer thinks that he knows uh, what the problem is and then backs it up with their credentials, right? Their degrees. I, I've been in IT for six years. I know you need to change that modem. That modem's bad, okay? I've, I've, I've been around this for years. And if I focus on what they say rather than what my foundation has been built on as far as a technician, I'll begin to doubt. But if I take a step back and say, wait, hold on, am I not the captain of this ship? Did I not train for 10 weeks in school for this? Am I not the man for this job? And all of a sudden I begin to have confidence again. So no matter what they say, I have the confidence to do the job. No, we're not gonna change that modem because the cable's chewed up in the back of the sofa. That's your problem. You know, and the confidence comes in when we remember what we have set our feet upon. And so my question to you today is, how do you view God when your back is against the wall and all human capabilities have reached their limit? What do you do? How do you believe in times of crisis? And so today we're going to look at uh, a king named Jehoshaphat, who is the ruler of the people of Judah. And we see that there's a problem that is coming that gives them little to no time to react. 
And we see that the way that he reacts not only fosters in faith, but we see a, a, a beautiful deliverance from God. And I hope that it, it, it would help us all. And so in 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verses 1 through 12 is where we're going to be at today. Um, it says, After this, the Moabites and Ammonites, and with them some of the Munites, came against Jehoshaphat for battle. Some men came and told Jehoshaphat, A great multitude is coming against you from Edom, from beyond the sea. And behold, they are in Hazazan Tamar, that is in Engedi. Then Jehoshaphat was afraid and set his face to seek the Lord, and proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. And Judah assembled to seek help from the Lord. From all the cities of Judah they came to seek the Lord. And Jehoshaphat stood in the assembly of Judah in Jerusalem, in the house of the Lord, before the new court, and said, O Lord, God of our fathers, are you not God in heaven? You rule over all the kingdoms of the nations. In your hand are power and might so that none is able to withstand you. Did you not, our God, drive out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and give it forever to the descendants, to the descendants of Abraham, your friend? And they have lived in it and have built for you in it a sanctuary for your name, saying, if disaster comes upon us, the sword, judgment or pestilence or famine, we will stand before this house and before you for your name is in this house and cry out to you in our affliction, and you will hear and save. And now behold the men of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir, whom you would not let Israel invade when they came from the land of Egypt, and whom they avoided and did not destroy. Behold, they reward us by coming to drive us out of our possession, which you have given us to inherit. O oh, our God, will you not execute judgment on them? For we are powerless against this great horde that is coming against us. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. And so we see right in the beginning, there's a problem. There, th these people are going to come not only to war against Judah, but they're going to come and try to disinherit their land that God has given them. And Jehoshaphat is afraid. I mean, I would be afraid too if people that were bigger and stronger than me were going to come to harm me. And to harm the people and who I represent. But instead of Jehoshaphat being afraid and, par uh, and paralyzed with fear, he sets himself up. He sets his face to seek the Lord. Now, because we're fallen individuals, seeking God is not the first uh, decision that we make most of the time. And what we do is we, instead of searching out God and searching out what he may do to help us in a situation, we turn in fear of the thing that's in front of us and then we begin to get all of these doubts that makes the fear bigger than what it really is makes the situation bigger than it really is and so we can see in earlier chapters that Jehoshaphat actually had a foundation of faith that he started when he was really young in chapter 17 2nd Chronicles chapter 17 verses 3 it says that the Lord was with Jehoshaphat because he walked in the earlier ways of his father, David. He did not seek the Baals, verse four, but sought the God of his father and walked in his commandments and not according to the practices of Israel. And in a time of immense idolatry, a lot of idolatry, many of the kings of Judah, they followed after their own passions. But Jehoshaphat said, no, I, 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 I want to follow God. 
And it was because of the example of David that he, that, that he left, being a man after God's own heart. He decided to go after that God and to trust him. And the Lord was with him. And so it's, it's important for us to always set the tone for the next generation. So not only did he establish his faith on the one true living God, but he also set that same faith, uh, established that same faith for the people in Judah. In chapter 17, verse 9, he sets up the Levites to go and teach the people the words of God. Verse 9, it says, and, and, and they, being the Levites, they, they taught in Judah, having the book of the law of the Lord with them. They went about through all the cities of Judah and taught among the people. Verse 10, and the fear of the Lord fell upon all the kingdoms of the land that were around Judah, and they made no war against Jehoshaphat. So not only was his faith established not, not, and the people's faith established, but because of the God that they served, no one wanted to make war with them. The evidence of who they were serving showed in the way that the people were afraid to do anything against them. And finally, we see in him establishing a foundation of following the Lord is chapter 19, uh, verses 9 through 11, where he establishes justice in the land so that they may continue to follow in the ways of the Lord. Verse 9, it says, Jehoshaphat charged them, thus you shall do in the fear of the Lord, in faithfulness and with your whole heart. Whenever cases come to you from your brothers who live in their cities concerning bloodshed, law or commandments, statutes or rules, then you shall warn them that they may not incur guilt before the Lord and wrath may not come upon you and your brothers. So he sets up righteousness. And so we see that there's a, 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 a fear of the Lord that is not just in the king, but in the people. And we see the people's response, right? It says that Jehoshaphat proclaimed a fast through the city. And not only that, but Judah, the entire kingdom of Judah, assembled to seek help from the Lord. From all the cities of Judah, they came to seek the Lord. Proverbs 1.7 says that it's the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. And so your view of God will determine your response to a crisis. And so as we look at Jehoshaphat's prayer, we're going to see a couple ways of how we can strengthen our faith through our questioning when it comes to the situations that are happening in our lives. First up being the verse six, where he says, O Lord, God of our fathers, are you not God in heaven? And so this question is not a sense that he's putting God on trial, but in fact, he puts his own soul in the souls of the congregation on, to, on trial to remind them of God and what he says about himself. He reminds the people the basic foundational truths of who God is. Number one, that he's the God of our fathers. He is a covenantal God, a God of consistency to a people who are covenant breakers and who are filled with inconsistency. If you look in through the whole Old Testament as God is being faithful to the people, the people are not being faithful to God. They're falling away either through idolatry or disobedience. Uh, many things happening to where they lose out on the blessing of God 
and, and actually incur judgment, but God shows himself consistent and faithful. Uh, he connects himself and he tethers himself to, this, to his people and he truly can be depended on. And even us as humans, right? We, we, we love depend, dependable people. That's, how we, that's who we circle ourselves around with. People who, when we call upon them, they, they, they can help us or they're there when we need them. Um, one of the greatest stories of consistency and follow through was depicted in the 2002 film, We Were Soldiers. Lieutenant Colonel Hal Moore, played by Mel Gibson, gave a powerful speech to his, his platoon. And, and in this speech, he showed his commitment to his team to show that he would never leave them, but be there right by their side in the battlefield. And one of the uh, excerpts of the of the speech he says i can't promise you that i will bring you all home alive but this i can promise before you and almighty god that when we go into battle i will be the first to step foot on the field and i will be the last to step off and i will leave no one behind dead or alive we will all come home together and i just it was just a powerful scene because these are scared boys barely 18 but yet they became men who confidently won the war in Vietnam and, and were led by a robust leadership. How much more should we win the war of life with a God who stands for you if you only trust in him? Oh Lord our God, are you not God in heaven? You rule over all the kingdoms of the nations. And so he gets really specific. He's the God of heaven. He's the God who's in heaven. And again, they're surrounded by idolatrous practices. In his early years, he stripped Judah of all the Asherim, which is the foreign false God that they adopted. And again, gave them the heart to fear the one true God. And so when we remember who owns all things, we are able to relinquish control. And, and it fuels our belief. And so Psalms 115.3 says, Our God is in heaven. He does, he does all that he pleases. Psalms 135.6 says, The Lord does whatever pleases him in the heavens and on the earth and in the seas and in their depths. And this is completely freeing because God is in control of all things. And if God is not completely, sovereignly in control of every single thing in the universe, he cannot be trusted. But not only is he sovereignly in control of all things, but he's good and he loves us and he cares for us when we trust him. I remember I had a conversation with my cousin and it was just basically a rant of how much I did not like my job. And at that time, I wanted to quit. Uh, Thank God I didn't because, uh, you know, I really needed it at this time. But um, God is great on that. But I remember what she told me. And I, man, it was just such a profound moment for me. Um, she says, you may, Jody, you may not like your bosses who write your checks. But God holds their breath in his hand. The same breath that they need to write your checks. God is in complete control. A, a second way that he that we can fuel our faith is remembering the faithfulness of God. Verse seven through nine says, did you not, our God, drive out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and give it forever to the descendants of Abraham, your friend? 
and they have lived in it and have built for you in it a sanctuary for your name saying if disaster comes upon us the sword judgment or pestilence or famine we will stand before this house and before you for your name is in this house and cry out to you in our affliction and you will hear and save and so we see that God was faithful to bring this people into an inhabited land. And there's a lot of you's and yours because it's God's plan. And it came forth the way that God wanted it. God spearheaded every endeavor of Israel's journey from Abraham being a vagabond wanderer. Okay, like pulling him from his family who were, who were in idolatry bringing them into uh, bringing Abraham into a place where if he follows and trusts God he will have descendants as numerous as the stars and will have a land inherited to him from that time to a place of slavery to freedom to an inheritance that they are right now God led the charge in every single piece of that time in history and he didn't do it without the, uh, the, the, the privilege of human participation. You know, Joshua, Moses' assistant, never would have thought, had no idea that he would be leading a people into a promised land. David, a little shepherd boy, had no idea that he was gonna be a king over people and be labeled a man after God's own heart. Solomon had no idea that, it, that he would follow his father's footsteps to, and build the temple that the Lord was residing in as he dwelt among the people. And we as a people had no idea that we were going to be in the situation that we, that we are in right now. But just like our situation and their situation, God was faithful to be with them and to stay with them. It took time. I can imagine, like as I'm reading the Old Testament, I can, I can see that God could have at any moment stopped caring for his people. But he said, no, I promised. My word is as high as my name. I, I promised Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob that I will bring them into a promised land if they trusted and followed me. Are we willing to wait upon the Lord? Psalms 33:20 is 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 a is a is a plea and a cry for us to trust in God because he's faithful. Verse 20 of of Psalms chapter 33 it says our soul waits for the Lord. He is our help and our shield for our heart is glad in him because we trust in his holy name. Let your steadfast love, O Lord, be upon us, even as we hope in you. Are you willing to wait on the Lord? Not only did he tell him, not, even, not only did he put the fact that, God, you put us here, but that your name, your name is in jeopardy. They're, they're, they're not just coming to disinherit us, but your name is here in this land. Many times in the Old Testament, God is, like, is telling the people, like, I'm going to find a place that I'm going to allow you to walk in and find a place to put my name. And when you are there, you will worship me. And so he says, man, hey, we're here. We're here. We're doing exactly what you said. And here these people are coming against us. God, what are you going to do? And what God does, God is faithful 
and he will help in time of need. And so another, the, the third way that we can fuel our faith in his prayer is to remember the righteousness of God. In verse 10 of 2 Chronicles 20, he says, And now behold, the men of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir, whom you would not let Israel invade when they came from the land of Egypt, and whom they avoided and did not destroy, behold, they reward us by coming to drive out, drive us out of your possession, which you have given us to inherit. Verse 12, O our God, will you not execute judgment on them? They're coming to destroy us. God, will you not flex your muscles? We need you right now. And it is, isn't, it, it is, isn't it society's cry today that we need justice? Hearts have been blackened by selfish desires. There's injustice that's happening and there is no penalty for it. And we're crying, God, will you not do right by your people? And the truth is, we may not see the justice that is due uh, that is due for us here in this life but God is faithful and one of the things that brought me into the a relationship with with Jesus and relationship with the Lord was uh, Matthew chapter 7 verses 21 through 23 and in there Jesus says not everyone who says to me Lord Lord would enter the kingdom of heaven but those who do the will of the Father and then he takes his place of so the people explained in their position well God did we not do mighty works in your name didn't we not cast out demons in your name and the, the, the scariest words that Jesus could ever utter that will completely break us if we ever heard it was verse 23 depart from me you work as if of iniquity I never knew you God is faithful to judge. Second Peter two, uh, the Second Peter chapter three verse nine says, "The Lord is not slow to fulfill His promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance." God is allowing time to happen for people to repent. God is merciful, and I commend those who the the brave souls who look at their perpetrators in in court, and look in their eyes and and have the strength to forgive them. Some people think it's fake, but I think it's real. Why? Because the, 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 the price of taking your last breath, not knowing who God is, and hearing God saying, depart from me, you that do iniquity, I never knew you, is not a fate that I wish on my worst enemy. Paul, the writer of almost half of the New Testament, says in Romans 12, 9, Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. God will pay. God, God, will, God will execute judgment. God will come through for those who are righteous, for those who have been crying day and night. But will we continue to cry out for the righteous judgment of God? Will we continue to seek the goodness of the Lord? And Jesus challenges our persistence and our cry for justice uh, uh, unto him in Luke chapter 18, verse 7 through 8. And in there, he just he has a parable of a persistent widow who is constantly coming to the judge and say, hey, judge, judge, I need I, I, I need justice right now. OK, I, I need you to stop what you're doing. I, I need justice right now. And the judge shoes her off. But after a while, it starts to get to him. 
And then he says, you know, neither I'm neither neither am I a respecter of man or respect of God. But because this woman keeps bothering me, I will give her judgment. I will give her her justice. I mean, and so Jesus says in verse seven through eight, he says, and will not God give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? Can you imagine Jesus coming back and standing there. Do any of y'all believe, did you, any of y'all believe that I would give justice swiftly? Did any, would anybody have believed that I, that I would keep my word? God will bring justice. And finally, we see King Jehoshaphat fuel his faith through confession and dependency. And that's what we can do for ourselves as well, is when we realize that we ha all hope is lost, that we throw ourselves at the mercy of God, because God is good. Verse 12 of 2 Chronicles uh, 1 through 12, verse 12, he says, We are powerless, for we are powerless against this great horde that is coming against us. For we do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. You know, it's, it is only when our surrender of our human effort unto God's will that we can see and make much of God. It is only when we move ourselves out of the way and allow God to do his thing that we'll be able to see him move in power. And so God wants us to be dependent upon him. You know, when we're out of options, we have, we're out of options. God, like, like literally these people are going to come and crush us. We are out of options. If you don't show up, we're going to all perish. But we trust that you are a God who holds fast to promises. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 7 through 10. The Apostle Paul talks about a moment where he has this ailment. It's, a, it's re referred to as a thorn in his flesh to keep him from being conceited, keep, to keep him from being uh, uh, big-headed with all the revelations that is coming to him uh, granted by God. And so he pleaded at that time, yo, Lord, take this away from me, man. I asked three times, take this away from me. This is painful. And Jesus responded, my grace is sufficient and my strength is made perfect in weakness. And so he has a new perspective on suffering. You mean to tell me that I have the ability to boast in my weaknesses and in boasting in my weaknesses, your strength will rest upon me? That's a beautiful thing. And so he says in chapter 10, I'm sorry, um, verse 10, he says, for the sake of Christ, then I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am made strong. And so we can boast in our weaknesses. It's okay to be weak. It's okay to be dependent. God wants it that way because he has our good. And we see in the remaining part of the chapter of 2 Chronicles 20, we see that God responds. The Spirit falls upon one of the the Levites that are there in the midst of the congregation as Jehoshaphat finish, finishes his prayer, the spirit falls on one of them. And he says this in verse 15. Listen, all Judah and inhabitants of Jerusalem and King Jehoshaphat. Thus says the Lord to you, do not be afraid and do not be dismayed at this great horde. For the battle is not yours, but God's. Tomorrow go down against them. Behold, they will come up 
by the ascent of Ziz. You will find them at the end of the valley east of the wilderness of Jeruel. You will not need to fight in this battle. Stand firm, hold your position, and see the salvation of the Lord on your behalf. O Judah and Jerusalem, do not be afraid and do not be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them, and the Lord will be with you. And so God, God, he comes and he gives them the reassurance. No, the battle is not yours. I will assume responsibility for this battle. But all I need for you to do is to stand firm. I need you to believe in me. I need you to hold fast your position and watch what I do. Watch my power. Watch my strength. And so they go into the battle. But before they go into the battle, they get to worship. It says in verse 18 that... Jehoshaphat bowed his head with his face to the ground, and all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem fell down before the Lord, worshiping the Lord. And so in the beginning, they were fearful. The same enemy that's coming, they were fearful. But in the end, they're rejoicing and worshiping. So what do we do with this? How, how do we respond in the time that we are in right now? God came through for them. He overthrew their enemies. They came in singing and rejoicing and they overthrew. They were, they, they were able to overthrow the opposition by their praise and worship. And then God himself came and delivered them. You read the end of the chapter, you see that they did not have to lift a finger. But God himself turned every one of their enemies against themselves and they destroyed themselves. But what do we do? I mean, that was Old Testament, right? What do, we, what do we take from that? Well, in the same way that God was faithful in those times, God is faithful with us now. You see, just as he assumed responsibility for that fight, saying that the battle is not theirs but God's, Jesus himself has assumed responsibility over our sin and our souls. See, Jesus, he, he took and he bore our sin, our, 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 the penalty for our sin on that cross. He said, no, the battle is not yours. I'll take that battle for you because I care and love you. Everything that you've ever done wrong, I will take that penalty. I will take the wrath of God for that. Just as God called them to believe, to stand firm, hold their position and see the salvation of the Lord. So he also calls us to believe in this great work. That if you will trust me that your sins have been taken upon and we and you would be a person who is weak who does not trust in the principles of this world but trust in what i say and follow me and 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 love me and seek after me you will see the salvation of the lord just as they worshiped and then they walked into the battle with confidence. So when we put our faith in Christ, he gives us a spirit. Uh, he gives us a spirit and gives us new lives so that we can walk in the life's hardships, rejoicing with confidence. And just as God delivered his people from their enemies. So one day God will finally deliver us from every form of evil and give us a freedom not only here in this life, but eternity, in eternity. We get to enjoy him forever. Every tear will be wiped away, every pain gone, and we get to stand in the presence of God and rejoice and be with him. We can make that decision today, and I hope you choose the Lord Jesus. I hope you choose to follow and trust God.
because he is there and he's waiting for you. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for just allowing us to just go through a, 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 a picture of what it looks like to trust you and to hold fast to you in our time in, in times of need and you showing up powerfully. May you do that to, in our lives today. May we not be ashamed. May we allow ourselves to be weak and abide in you, Lord, because we know that you will respond. God, we thank you so much. Be with everyone who is suffering in these times, Lord, and allow us to honor you in all that we do. In Jesus' name, amen.